Hey everyone, so there's this um, great saying of, you know, you have to get to know people. The only person you really, truly need to know is yourself. And that can be quite a, an undertaking if you've been disconnected through trauma. Because there's a huge elephant in the room and you live on the periphery of it. So if there's been, you know, trauma that you've locked away the origins of, then you kind of live on the periphery of your land. You don't actually live on it. And you can't get back on it until you connect all the dots. It's a sort of shattering. In trauma, there's a sort of, you know, drop the mic moment where you just drop your whole being and it's shattered. And You know, in the middle, there's this huge crater. I had no idea. You know, it's like a meteor came and hit the Earth. And you, let's assume that you are Earth. And you can't see it. And you're walking around the periphery of it. Which is your armor, right? Which is the the thing that keeps you out of seeing the truth. You need to weave the story back together. You need to sort of pick up all the pieces of shards and put this whole person back together. Because trauma and especially it's, if it's trauma that you've accommodated, you've got to fit it in somewhere. Even though it doesn't fit, you've got to wrap it in something, right? You've got to... It's living inside of you, but hidden. And it has energy, and it's navigating things, and it's, you know, really fueling you. And it's also stopping you from seeing what actually happened. You know, it's like the Wizard of Oz, the man in the machine. The little man behind the monitor. So, somehow, I had built my own green man who was a sort of dungeon keeper who was basically like the bouncer at the gate who wouldn't let me see the damage wouldn't let me see actually what had happened and terrified me so much that I was I would just I was never going anywhere near that I was just going to keep running and running 
and getting as far away from myself as possible. But then things happen in life where there are huge breaks in the armament, you know. Weird, unexpected desires to just, you know, hate on a parent, you know, just out of the blue. So angry that you just want to, like, you know, suffocate them, right? That was a long time ago, but just really bizarre. Like, it escapes, like the stench of a sewage pit. It just, you're all the time trying to keep it down. But now and again, some sort of massive cloud of shit just comes by and the stench is unbearable. It, it has power, energy, even though you try to keep it under wraps. So somehow I had built Dungeon Keeper that would sort of always seal off the truth. And this Dungeon Keeper, I imagine it as this sort of towering piece of energy with, as I say, broken bits of shards of glass on it and barbed wire and just like something out of some crazy zombie movie or something. But it actually had its own power, its own energetic activity, its own dynamic movement. It lived inside of me. And it lived inside of me so that I would never actually see the truth. And it also made me refuse the challenge of actually challenging what had happened. Because every time I challenged it, it would rise up with some sort of guilt or are you crazy or there's something wrong with you and, and it validated them. So I was kind of locked away and in constant distraction from the truth. I'd, because every, it's almost like if you turn around there was a line I had in something I wrote, which is outside there were monsters and there were monsters inside. So I had reconstructed my own Berlin Wall. But my Berlin Wall wasn't just a static thing. It was a dynamic, terrifying monster that was inside of me that did not let me see the truth. I don't know how that was built. I have no idea. And, you know, after many years of meditation, when I finally had the first um, kind of energetic, crazy break, which happened in this kind of extraordinarily bizarre, I mean, I thought I was dying, right? It was just this huge circular codes of energy. I thought I was, you know, going to disappear. And then a very clear dream. That was, I had to go back to this very white house, it was my house in England, and into the attic. And there was this raging monstrosity that I was terrified of, which is what I had inside of me. It was the same thing. I hadn't actually felt or known that this thing was living inside of me, but it showed me as a visual, you need to go 
face that. And, you know, I was so scared. In my dream, I sent my cousins up, and it just devoured them. It wasn't letting anyone through. The only person that really had to go face it was myself. So it was something that was built inside of me so I would never see the truth. Because every time I went up against it, it would terrify me. Tell me I was wrong, I was bad. So therein, it's like a Agatha Christie novel, really. An Agatha Christie is some kind of detective work that you need to do. You have to be many people on this path. <laughs> you need to be the fearless crusader. You have to be the forensic scientist. You have to allow yourself to be opened up by plant medicines. Sit in meditation in silence. Holograms. You're the observer and the actual victim. You're the scientist who's trying to figure it out. And also the child. It's fascinating. So it really has been putting together this huge jigsaw puzzle. Now, the thing about plant medicines is that plant medicines open up the psyche and it too gives you pointers and pieces of the jigsaw. And what happens, what's interesting is that little by little this thing has been put together. I had no idea. It told me the story of my family and the story of me within the context of that family, which is insane. And I didn't realize, but I was so covered in shit, so smothered in all sorts of stories and they were almost like entities, I would say. And things that wouldn't let me see what had really happened. So the first time I did ayahuasca in Peru, I had a monumental exorcism. And it was a separation between a child and the parent. And I had assumed that, you know, I, my father was a tyrant, etc was angry that somehow I had, and he'd used me, you know, to fulfill his agenda, become who he couldn't be, you know, those, that sort of immigrant that like, you know, didn't go to college and wants you to become like the next prime minister or president, you know, that kind of yearning that's kind of, you know, chucked at you, like you have to become what I couldn't become kind of thing. I always, it reminds me of that little child running down Vietnam, you know, that, that very famous picture on fire. That, that's the kind of like, 
there was so much unfinished shit. It was like he was it, he was smothered in demons, and I would have to be the one that, you know, smothered them. But it was worse than that. It was much, much worse. But I wasn't ready. There were so many layers that I had been, there were so many rooms that I'd been shut out of. So many Russian dolls that had been built to refuse me access. And I thought, well, that's pretty fucking amazing. I come down to the jungle, I have what the most unreal energetic, you know, kind of black hole collapse situation where they, you know, have all these shipibos coming towards me in the ceremony because this thing is so, the lockdown is so huge and this monstrosity of energy is just so massive. And the next day I'm just like, wow, that's, that's it. Yeah, that was five years ago. And there was a clear contract break between a child and a parent. I could feel this child like being released. It was like an explosion. It was so unbelievably powerful. And everybody in that maloka in that sacred space, you know, who were also doing the medicine were just like in shock. They were almost, they were kind of distanced the next day, like, oh my God, you know, she's possessed by aliens. But I really thought that was it. I was triumphant. I did my meditation, I had my energetic thing and boom. And now I'd unloaded this person. But this person, this spirit was very evil. It wasn't just that I'd been stolen. And that's why I, little by little I got information about downloads of sexual abuse by other people, by his family, by her family. And how the ayahuasca works is, and this is a very strange thing to say, but it's what I've experienced, is that she takes you to different places. So some days you're right in the thick of it and you're seeing the most horrific things. And sometimes she's, you're in a vat of love. And so she's simultaneously cleansing and then replanting you cleansing so it's difficult and dark and then there's this replanting with love and it's just a commitment right you commit and things happen that you have no control over and the plant does her, her work and what had happened was that this you know, I'd had a lot of downloads of information. Of course, I was absolutely furious and angry and raging and whatever. But then this thing started to show up. And it was, my body was being, like this 
physical entity was being pulled out of my system. It's clearly a blockage. It was clearly, but it, it really had dynamic momentum and activity and it was coming up through me. I remember a friend came up and I was literally, it was coming up through my system. It was like I had an alien inside of me. She got terribly worried. I sat there with a computer thinking that we should figure this out, but. And I was told, you know, look, you've got these, you know, big entities in you, whatever. Okay. I couldn't go down to the jungle. It was in, it was the middle of whatever. So I said, okay, we'll just have to, you know, if, if, if I'm meant to be there, I should be there. So then I went down again. And there was something really big holding on something I didn't want to know. And it was a very difficult um, two weeks because it was very dark. Like I was in, you know, being held hostage in a prison, my hands tied behind my back, this kind of looming monster above me. There was something that I would not, I was not to know I knew I'd been held hostage. I knew I'd been tricked and I was shown, you know, I was in this fairground and this kind of like this weird thing was on the periphery. It was, it was about, it was gonna trick me, seduce me. And then I even had to beg my child to tell me. And then I had very clear, um, very precise, almost Swiss clinic kind of dreams and visions. And one of them was um, my father was in London and he couldn't get any work. And he came to both myself and my mother and we had to feel bad for him. And suddenly his sheet fell off and his dick came out, it was gross. And then my brother was pointing away, trying to figure out how we could make money. So I was getting clues like, uh-oh, shit, something bad happened, right? Like really bad. But what happens is that when you've been, okay, so if, if you've been very far away from the abuse, I mean, think about it, if it happens early on, your little baby, you know, one, two, three, it's all a big confused mess. And I just think about how, how vulnerable they are and how sweet and how easily swindled and conned they can be, especially if, you've, if it involves, you know, any kind of sexual abuse. But even if it's in neglect and abandonment and all that stuff, it's, it's also the same thing. It's like you're being swindled. You're being lied to. You're being taken advantage of. You know, you're innocent, right? And so more clues were shown to me, you know. Um, there's one particular ceremony where the cuckoo clock, which had been stopped when I was very little, three or four started to work and the whole work the whole underground world opened up and there were children coming out of rooms so I knew that I'd been 
And when I came back, I got more information. You know, I had been clearly taken out to be sexually abused. What I didn't know was I was actually abused by my own father. That I did not know. And that was what this massive energy that had been built to accommodate that massive, that horrific lie that I had continued to protect the ultimate predator, that I had agreed, I mean, you can't agree when you're two or you're three, but I had made the deal to keep it secret. When I was one, I was two, I was three. I mean, you're not doing anything. You're being tricked, you're being conned, and it all gets kind of woven in, right? They're your parent, you know, what the, whatever's happening is I'm supposed to do. They give you some kind of story. Now, to some it may be shocking, but a lot of this universe has been abused sexually. A lot. I wonder if we did the numbers, how many that would be, but it's a lot of children. So, and that's the greatest, ultimate sacrilege, is to sexually abuse your own child. It's on some other level. And... So in a way, I had accepted all the other things. I'd sort of gone through the, the energetic shifts. I'd, you know, had the exorcism. I'd had downloads. I saw stuff that you don't ever want to see, even as an adult, let alone a child, have to go through. But there was one piece missing that they were still holding on. And the ayahuasca left it till last. Because this great medicine had basically kind of, it's almost like, you know, you shimmy, you, you kind of build this huge piece of land at the same time that you're destroying something else. So the plant is with you if you take it all the time. And if you commit to her, she's going to, you know, kind of destroy and then replant, right? Literally, re-soil, re... So, simultaneously, she'd been kind of growing me and connecting me to my little girl. And I was finding this incredible divine sort of love and connection to my little girl, which is what she needed in order for me to really see what had happened, to give her the power. And then she laid the cards on the table and she showed me exactly what happened. And she literally put together, you know, this whole story. So when I was in the jungle, and I'm telling you this because it might not be your experience, of course, so hopefully it isn't your experience, but it, it, it's, a, it's a testament to how we hide ourselves from ourselves. And this conversation is about the most important person to know is who you are. 
I say this, and many terrible things have happened to many, many people. You know, I'm not the only one in the universe, you know. The whole human race has suffered some horrific things. The worst is for children. I mean, I mean, it's bad for adults, but for children, it's just, I just don't know how it, anyone can do anything to a child. But anyway, so I'm laying it out as a, as a way of showing that the way that we're put together is incredibly sophisticated. The way that we survive is incredibly complex. What we do and what we refuse that exists within us so that we can survive is insane. That we are this whole energetic landscape that can be completely hidden underground and that we can know nothing about who we are because we have built massive systems of denial. Now, just because you deny it doesn't mean it doesn't exist or that it's not impacting every second of your life. So literally, it was like I had been, comp even though I thought I was, it's again like the ball on the end of a ping pong table, a uh, 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 paddle, right? You think you're going out, but you're going to come right back. You think the ball's going up, it's, going to, it's elasticated, it's going to come right back to the paddle. I had been completely paralyzed this whole time by this one monumental wall, this one monumental magnetic electrified, you know, paralytic gravitational pull that I couldn't face. He had abused me first. And he had created some sort of trap, some sort of secret, some sort of, you know, it's my responsibility thing, so that I would end up hating my child. And in a way, that's where he, is, he had control. I hated my little girl. And the more I hated my child, because he made me hate my little girl, the more power he had. I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't tell anyone. Who was I going to tell anyway? His infantilized wife? So, and who was I going to go to? So he created this incredible terror that had me completely paralyzed and completely owned by him. And he was shrouded with the pretend caring, the attention, so that I would never suspect that there was anything wrong. But there was always that look on his face looking at me. Now, the plants kept, you know, the best to last, the most, the, the most horrific piece of this puzzle. But it also showed me who this person was. Because in one of the ceremonies, he was like, 
it's incredible how they showed me. It was like he was on the savannah, like an animal prowling. And he'd seen my mother, and he was like targeted, like an animal, you know, it targets its prey. That's who he was. He targeted her. I mean, I knew none of this. There was no, you know. And she was this infantilized 18-year-old who might have as well been 10. But he knew that she was a target. She was innocent. She was vulnerable. And her family, you know, had business, etc. So he figured, oh, I know. I'm going to target her, get her, and then I'm going to get to them. Right? Insane. So he does that. It's, you know, it's insane how we put the pieces together. So he targets her. He marries her. There's seven kids, so the family is glad. You know, I'm sure the glads are just like, okay, next, let's get them all married off. And then he works for them. What does he do? He goes to London and leaves her behind. He thought, I'm out of here. I don't, you know, fuck that. I'm going to tell them I'm going to go sell their product in London or whatever. And she's going to be left behind. I've already impregnated her with two children. Don't really love her in the first place. Obviously used her for, you know, gains, her own personal gains. So she buggers off to London. And then my mother is now in Spain with two screaming children. Says, I'm not fucking doing this. I'm going to go over there. And when she arrives, he's basically doing fuck all. Now he's got a problem because he has to answer to her brother's so what does he do? Well, he starts abusing me and then decides, well, I can just... He doesn't want her, right? He's some kind of widow. So he sells me to make some extra money. To be sexually abused. And this was completely an utterly and I blank out so I've blacked out this is all I don't know two three four five whatever I was I mean it's a, a baby and in my ceremonies I've seen I'm in the crib and there's this guy with his pants down now this might be too much for some people to hear or whatever I get it but it happens all day every day across this fucking globe And there's a testament to it, you know, everywhere. Nobody likes to talk about it. No one likes to mention it. It's just far too uncomfortable because too many people have done it. So I had no idea of any of this. As far as I was concerned, you know, I'd had a great life. <laughs> You know, here I was. I was educated in private schools. Eventually they gave him money to start building a business, right? Educated in private schools. Pretty middle class. You know, I didn't want for anything on the table. But yet my whole life since I was born, I was on the verge of death. I was terrified of dying in every fucking moment. I didn't know why. 
I thought I was going to expire any moment all the fucking time. I didn't know why. Oh, Maria, she's in the clouds. So there had been a contract built by this predator and pedophile and a little toddler, a tiny, barely conscious toddler in which the toddler was made to believe that this was okay and that it would die if it said anything. Like, I don't know what this fucking pitch was to me as a fucking one-year-old. Perhaps there was no pitch. There was something. And so I agreed. I authorized that evil because I had no choice. And then, consequently, because I kept authorizing it, turned it into sort of a saving, a missionary job. I had to save this fucking piece of evil. Speak about colluding with Satan. And then I had to refuse the truth within me, which is why I built this massive, energetic dungeon keeper to keep all of my truth out. It was a total con job and as they said in the ceremony you were stolen now again it's one story there are tons millions zillions of people's stories of the horror that they've had to endure and they might not know about or physical the beatings and the abuse and the burnings I mean I can't remember there was one guy on TV that his parents his, his mother violently burnt him and oh, and he knew nothing about it. Physically tortured him. So, yes, we need to know who we truly are and what we're carrying. Because it's not all this anxiety in the world and this depression. I mean, luckily I didn't, you know, suffer any of that kind of really bad stuff. You know, as again, I could have easily been under a bridge with a fucking hero. I didn't. I don't know how, but I didn't. Perhaps this was my, you know, my dungeon keeper was my savior. It would never let me in to see the truth. So I just kept, you know, plowing forward, completely asleep. But at some point I had to wake up. I knew something was wrong, I just had no idea what it was. So, I say this because, again, it's just, who cares, right? It's your story, who gives a shit? But whatever your story, if you've been traumatized, it's much more complex than you think. And if you've been ousted out of your home and soul, and certainly I was, then you need to have the whole story to get healed. You need to know everything because a relationship between an adult and a child, if it's an evil adult, if it's a rotten fucking piece of shit, can do a lot of damage. 
and create, like I create, I actually physically created a dungeon keeper within me so that I would accommodate this evil. And even when I had the first massive energetic shift in ayahuasca, it was, it was, it was an exorcism of this thing. It was just the first layer. It had literally penetrated deep into my cells, into my whole physical body. It owned every fucking cell in my body. That was how big the hostage taking was. I had no, I was completely evicted. And, you know, I think one of the great things is to keep sitting. If you're always in distraction, that's exactly where it wants you to be. Everything is a conflict. Everything is a mess. You're always wrong. You're always in doubt about who you are. That's exactly where it wants you. So actually the great weapon is to sit. Sit and do nothing. Sit and meditate. Sit, just sit. Because it's hiding in the wings. And the only way it can keep you from not seeing it is by distracting you. But if you sit and you keep sitting and you keep sitting, eventually it's going to show up because there's no noise around it. So if there's trauma, there are harsh truths deeply harsh truths. I think one of the worst parts for me is I agreed. I authorized. And again, I'm not saying it as a shame thing. I'm not saying it as a, I don't feel, I feel incredible compassion for myself. I was a little girl. That little girl blacked out. And then these adults are very clever at tricking and at the same time, you know, judging. And there's all these, the trickery of evil and darkness. I mean, we see it played over and over in literature and over in the whole world. So these forces are real. They come shrouded in these pretend people, but they're dark and they're evil. That's all I can say about them. I know they're the universe, but they're horrific. And, you know, one of the things, again, about the really incredible things about plant medicines is, especially ayahuasca, I mean, I had no idea how many layers that she's been burrowing through that I've, you know, kept hidden. I've no, I mean, it's been five years of work, of energetic, shifting and shifting and shifting. I'd built this whole, I buried this so deeply, buried this body so deeply, buried this truth so deeply. And then when I got close to it, guess what? The energetic body started coming up. There was actually someone guarding that dungeon. 
that held the truth of what actually happened. It was an energetic body built like it's almost like a an electric shock system so you won't go in and so I had to let that come up and that kind of go through me until I finally was shown it was him he was the one that abused me And he was the one that sold me. And the truth was, he never loved my mother. He didn't give a shit. He just used her, and then he used me. So, the child is protective of the parents, no matter how bad. As I said, Children are tortured. Children are just the ravages of people's demons just splattered all over them. And we may hide it so well, I certainly did, so that I had no inkling. I literally... I think the question is, you know, when do you become conscious? I don't remember when I actually became conscious. I remember looking in the mirror thinking, I don't know who I'm looking at. I was so blacked out, truly blacked out. So when I actually came to, I'm talking about just actually being present in any way, even if it was, you know, 0.5%. It was without all the horror that had happened. I couldn't, I had been so blacked out, so conned, that it didn't register. None of it registered. It was so hidden. And at that point I must have had, must have built this huge energetic dungeon keeper that would keep me away from the truth. That's what I've had to go back to face. So when I had that very powerful energetic shift, I don't know how long ago, let's say it was six years ago, and it said, you've got to go face this energetic monster. I thought it was my father. I thought it was demonic. I thought it was, it wasn't him. It was a thing that I had built to refuse the truth of what had happened. It was the dragon. You know, they say in the hero's journey, you've got to go slay the dragon. I had to slay the thing that was keeping me from seeing the truth. Because I, as a child, had authorized and agreed agree to keep it a secret. So that means that I agreed to not being a child and I agreed for evil and for darkness to have authority. I authorized it. And 
canceled out my needs, the truth of who I was. I refused my childhood, all the grief and the pain of everything that happened in order to satisfy him and thereby became his slave. So the whole journey is insane, right? I had no idea, not a clue. And again, it's just, it's not even about what happened. It's how a whole system survives, what it does to survive. That's what's unbelievable. The horror is the horror for anyone. For me, it was sexual abuse. For somebody else, it's the physical abuse. For some people, being tortured. I mean, it's whatever the fuck. It's horrific to an innocent little child that wants to be loved, that wants its parents to love it. I had built the dungeon keeper so I would never truly betray him. And I remember when I was leaving, and I had again no idea. I was leaving for New York 300 years ago. And he said the weirdest thing. He said, you're never coming back, are you? You're never coming back. I thought, that's really strange. He must have thought that I knew that I was leaving because I knew. I did not have a clue. You're never coming back, are you? It was more like, you know, and you're not going to protect this secret anymore. That's how, and again, I had no idea, absolutely none. So bizarre. Why would he say that? So, yeah. We keep secrets from ourselves. We don't want to let them go. There are all sorts of things negotiated with children so that you can endure the suffering. There is all sorts of stealing that happens with children. There are things that happen behind closed doors that we know nothing about. That on the outside everybody looks oh so happy and so normal, and so they seem to have everything. The house, the cars, the material things. But as for spirits, we're energies. And you know, if, if people are suffering from anxiety and depression and anger, there's something going on. 
It's not just, oh, he's having a bad day. And taking a pill or whatever, they're underneath this suffering. Addiction is suffering. It's unresolved suffering. And, I mean, it's taken me, God knows how many years, right? 12 years of meditation and five years of ayahuasca, and I'm certainly going to go back again. For this whole thing to show itself. It's been information, it's been physical stuff, it's been, I mean, I just can't even tell you. And then this kind of monster that was showed up as a dungeon keeper to the truth. So no, a self-help book is not is not, you know, the answer. I'm not saying you don't read them, God, I, I read millions of them. And I listen to lo loads of YouTube people in funny outfits. And God, I try to find the answer outside over and over. But the answer is within you. And If the trauma is, is very deep and a nasty things, demonic kind of people involved, then, you know, you have to go face them. And you don't even know that. I didn't know there was any of this. Was fucking, this has been a kind of, un, like I was buried under, I literally, and actually in the final ceremony, I was deep under the ground. I mean, I finally came out, but I was deeply buried, deeply, deeply buried. I feel like I've been lying in a grave and I've been unearthed. So, you don't know what you're going to find on this journey. The fear is that you might find something, I suppose. I didn't know. It wasn't about not having parents. It was about realizing the parents I had were pretty awful. And perhaps that's what I was always concerned about, really, because I never really understood that, that I might actually figure out that they weren't who they were, appeared to be. So I suppose that's a dragon. I never really understood the dragon. But it can actually be a physical, powerful entity that keeps you from really seeing the truth. And we always think it's external to us, right? No, none of this is external. It's, it's like we have a whole continent within us, a whole landscape of little people running around, making us work, hiding this, putting that over there, a whole Lilliput kingdom. Of energies that are keeping us alive. So again, it's not about 
you know, whatever. It doesn't, it's just about any, I mean, this is, you know, cruel, yes, but any act against a child is cruel. Any act, abandonment, neglect, physical abuse, you know, sexual abuse, any, any of, any of, any little tiny refusal is horrific. Even the fact that we're told that we're sinners, that we're born sinners, I mean, horrific, horrific. So, know who you are. It's, you're a huge piece of divinity. You're a huge energetic field. You're built of many things that you cannot see. It's a really complex, myriad thing that, again, only had access to through plant medicines and meditation. We can deny so much. We can refuse so much in ourselves. And great compassion for all those little children all over the world right now that are suffering any kind of trauma. And for those who are living with trauma and who are those who have refused themselves in order to accommodate trauma, do not accommodate it. If there's one thing you do in your life, rebel and take yourself back. Because if you don't, you live under its spell. You live paralyzed. You lived unlo unlived and unloved, and that's the worst part. Because this capture is not just about the horror that's done to children. It's that they're taken away from the light. You live without love and terrified. And you may not see a child there, or the terror of a child, but it emanates as anxiety, as depression, as self-hatred. Behind all of that exterior noise is a terrified child, an unloved child, a disconnected child, a child that never got past the bouncer, not, never arrived to life. It's still carrying the monumental weight of the darkness which was imposed upon it by other people, by adults. So, why it might, whilst it may seem um, dark, it's actually incredibly powerful because of the immense power that we have to bring ourselves home. This is actually a a story of great inspiration and great hope that you can actually return. You can actually bring yourself back. You can actually unbury your trauma. You can heal it. The mind is extraordinarily plastic, flexible. You can burrow down into these depths and heal. 
And of course, you know, with me it was with plant medicines and meditation. What I'm saying is that there's a technology. You don't have to keep taking a pill and keep it at bay all the time. Because all you're doing is you're keeping the truth at bay. Right? I'm not saying you shouldn't take it. I'm not, by the way. I'm just, I'm not advocating for that. If you need to take it, take it. I'm just saying, the, really, the truth of this is that you can get at it. You can fight these monsters. You can, again, with the help of ayahuasca and wachuma, there's all these, and bufo, I don't know, where there's tons of plant medicines out there. that can be an ally, take the lead, guide you. I mean, like just literally the day I was being guided by the Shipibo, the torch and the light, it'll, it's fantastic. I finally felt safe to face the truth. A Shipibo. An Indian from Peru, from the Amazon, in another dimension, here, leading my little girl into the light. She could finally leave the dark. The final piece of the puzzle had to be revealed. And I now felt safe enough to go and see the truth. finally had an ally. I was finally loved. That is pretty fucking spectacular. If you're living with trauma, do not let it own you. Give it back everything that it's taken away from you. Deflate it, unplug it, defuel it, defund it, de-everything it, keep going into it. Take it down. And be free. Be home. Be you. Okay, bye. <laughs>